Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to continue Matthew chapter 8. But before we get into Matthew chapter 8 and the second part of it, I just want to say I hope you had a, a, a happy Thanksgiving, a blessed Thanksgiving, that, that you had some delicious food, and that you had some great fellowship with family and friends. But most of all, that you spent time giving thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for His blessings and for what He has done on the cross and for that empty tomb and for the hope that we have in Christ and that resurrecting power and being filled with His Holy Spirit that we can walk in newness of life with Him. And so we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to uh, share God's Word with you today. I know I'm thankful for it, and I'm thankful for you listening. I'm thankful for you sharing the Grind It podcast, and I just pray that that uh, these Bible studies help you in your growth with Christ, and that you mature as as a, a mature Christian in Christ, and that you will find boldness to share Christ. And when you share these these podcasts with your friends and your family, your coworkers, your friends, whoever. You're also sharing Christ, and so thank you for that, for giving other people hope, for giving people that opportunity to know Jesus on a personal uh, level, and that they can uh, make Him their Lord and Savior and go to heaven with you and with me as well. So thank you for that. Um, as we get into this lesson, uh, we're thinking about what we talked about in the last podcast is Jesus was coming down the mountain. He had been teaching his disciples and the crowd about how the righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. And he explains to them in what we call the Sermon on the Mount how to get that done. And and as he's coming down the mountain, he was met by a leper who wanted to be healed. And, and Jesus, if you remember in the last podcast, if you listen, uh, if you haven't, go back and listen to that. But Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper and he heals this leper. And he g- gives him some instructions on what to do about going back to the priest so that the priest could pronounce them clean. And so they could go back into society and live a normal life. But also, they were to, uh, the, God's law had told the Jews uh, to, or commanded the Jews to, to give an offering uh to the Lord there uh, once they were pronounced clean. And so Jesus told him to take the offering with him, knowing that he would be pronounced clean. And so he could present that offering to the priest while he's there uh, before the priest. And so as Jesus comes into Capernaum, once again, he is, he's going to be met by someone with a need. But uh, just like the leper was a, a very unusual situation because uh, a leper was to live a quarantine life. They were to avoid all contact uh, with people. They were not supposed to be around people at all, especially a crowd. And and as Jesus is co- is coming into Capernaum here uh, in, in this second part of uh, uh, Matthew chapter 8, he is met by a Roman soldier. Um, this Roman soldier has a servant that is paralyzed and is in, in terrible pain. In Luke's version of the story, uh, uh, Luke says that he is near death. Um, and so this Roman soldier comes to Jesus and he's asking for a healing on behalf of, of this servant. 
And, and I just want you to take a minute to, to let that sink in. Um, because this is a Roman soldier. This is not a Jew. Uh, this is not uh, a religious leader. This is not a Sadducee or a Pharisee or a scribe who knows God's law. This, this, this is a Roman soldier. This is an enemy of the Jews. This is one of the, the Jews' oppressors. This Roman soldier is a Gentile. Why would this Roman soldier, this Gentile, the oppressor of the Jews, why would he come to Jesus, who claims to be the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the, the, the Christ, the one that the Jews have been looking for all this time, why would this Roman soldier come to Jesus and why would Jesus do anything for this Roman soldier? Think about that for a second. This story that Matthew passes down to us, it, it really shows us the heart of Jesus. And I want you to think about this story when you pray, uh, the next time you pray this prayer. And I, as a matter of fact, I, I pray this prayer a lot, and I even prayed it this morning. And I wasn't thinking about this podcast and studying for this podcast when I pray this prayer, but this is something I pray quite often. I, I, I'll say this, something like this. Lord, help me to be like Jesus. Help me to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Chip off anything that is in my life that stands in the way of you working through me or that, that, that hinders me from being more like Jesus. This story absolutely shows the heart of Jesus because this goes against everything a Jew would think back then, much like the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Right? You don't step on Samaritan soil if you were a Jew. You would, you would be considered unclean. So you avoided Samaria at all costs. You went way out of your way to go around it just so you would not step foot on their soil. But Jesus said in John 4, 4, I got to go through Samaria because the, he knew that woman was going to be at that well. And he had compassion on that woman and he shared uh, that he was the Messiah and, and he forgave that woman's sins and she goes uh, back into the city and tells people all about the Messiah and they too have opportunities for salvation, for the, to have their sins forgiven. And, and, and that went everything, it, it went against everything the Jews would know and understand. They went around Samaria, they didn't go through Samaria and, and a Jew is certainly uh, not going to go to a, a, a Roman soldier for help and a Roman soldier is not going to go to a Jew for help. But not in this case. This Roman soldier is going to go to a Jew and ask for help. And this is going against everything that a Jew would be thinking back then. And this soldier, if you think about this, this soldier could be one of those who was on duty in just a few years when Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross. He's going to be beaten He's going to have a purple robe thrown around him, and he's going to have a scepter placed in his hand. He's going to have a crown of thorns shoved into his skull by Roman soldiers. Perhaps this Roman soldier would be on duty that night, that morning, that this takes place. This is an enemy asking for a healing on behalf of his servant which shows us that Jesus modeled everything that he taught, even when he said, love your enemies. 
Just as Jesus healed the leper to show what he practiced, what he had just taught his disciples on that mountain, he does the same thing here. They just came off the mountain, Jesus healed the leper, and now they're just now coming into Capernaum, and he's met by this Roman soldier. And when he was on the mountain teaching his disciples, Jesus said to them and to the crowd, he said in Matthew 5, 43-48, you have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That will be the Roman soldiers at this point. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so Jesus is about to model what he just said on the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples and to the crowd when he uh, is confronted with uh, this this Roman soldier, this centurion, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Matthew writes this, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my, of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him, which would be his disciples. He said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those from whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So the first thing, there's three things that I want to talk about in this podcast that that stand out in this passage, in this story that Matthew gives us. And the first thing that stands out to me in this story is that the Roman soldier knew where to go to get relief. He knew where to go to get a healing for his servant. So that tells me that either somebody told this soldier about Jesus or he had heard of the miracles that Jesus was doing and the healings that he was doing and how he's casting out these demons. Maybe the soldiers have been told to be on guard concerning Jesus because of the following that he's getting. Hey, this this guy's getting this following. Maybe he's got an uprising going on. Maybe he's, he's going to be in rebellion against uh, uh, of the uh, the Roman government. So we need to keep an eye on this guy. And, and, and so maybe they, they've been sitting around discussing all these things that this this man who looks like a homeless man, he, you know, he, these people think that he's the Christ, the Messiah, the one the Jews have been looking for, but to them, he just looks like some ordinary dude, and, and they don't really get it. And so they're sitting around maybe talking about how he is doing these miracles and, and how these people are just miraculously healed and, and blind eyes are being opened and, and 
uh, people are getting up off their carts and demons are being cast out. So the, maybe the Roman soldiers are sitting around talking about all this stuff that is, is going around uh, in their area. Um, and so um, one way or another, this man, this Roman soldier, has heard about Jesus. And so we assume that people, you know, in our day and time, especially here in the United States, um, we we just take it for granted. We assume that people have already heard about Jesus. Because if you think about it, we're preached to death, right? We, we've got churches on every street corner. Uh, and and I, I live in the south, um, in, in Maryville, Tennessee, just outside Knoxville, Tennessee. And, and so, you know, the south is, is what we call the, the, the Bible Belt. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of churches here. And so we, we just take for granted and just assume that people here in our area have heard about Jesus already. But we, we would be shocked and surprised how many people even here in the South have never even heard one thing about Jesus. So we should never assume anything, right? That's what, that's what we always say. Um, but we, we, we have a tendency to keep Jesus to our, ourselves. In, in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 15, Paul says this. He says, And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Preachers means proclaim. We're telling others this message. And he's talking about Jesus, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. And he says, If you openly, openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by open, openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Talking about Jews or Gentiles. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him? How can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? And how can they hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them about Jesus? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Somebody had to tell this soldier about Jesus. Some, some way, somehow, this soldier knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. He knew that if he could uh, just find Jesus and get to Jesus and share what's going on with his servant, then there's a great chance, a great possibility that Jesus would heal the servant and they would be relieved of their pain and they wouldn't be paralyzed anymore. But regardless of how this soldier heard about Jesus, but that's the first thing I want to point out. He heard about Jesus. But regardless about how he heard about Jesus, the second thing that stood out to me in this story is he went to Jesus. He not only heard of Jesus and the miracles that he could perform, but he also went to Jesus. And, and this Roman soldier, he risked a lot of stuff here. And, and matter of fact, Luke's version 
uh, of this story says that the, uh, the way Matthew reads it, the, the, the centurion went out for himself. This Roman soldier went to Jesus for himself. Uh, Luke's version tells it just a little bit differently that he sent out some uh, people to Jesus and asked Jesus to come and heal his servant. Uh, but, but regardless of, of the, the story and how it's a little bit different in the two Gospels, depending on which version you read, he heard about Jesus and he knew that if, if he could get to Jesus, no matter if it was him himself or sending out some servants to tell Jesus about this servant, he knew where to go and he went. He went to Jesus. And, and, and he risked a lot of stuff here because uh, I, I just want to share with you uh, what uh, gotquestions.org uh, says about centurions and this, this Roman soldier. And this is what gotquestions.org says. What a centurion is, during, uh, the Rome, during the New Testament era, a Roman centurion was a professional military officer commanding a platoon of troops called a century. This could be anywhere from nearly 100 to several hundred men. Each Roman legion was composed of nearly 5,000 men divided into multiple cohorts. Each cohort composed of multiple centuries. As a result, a legion could contain as many as 60 centurions. Their importance was based on seniority, with the senior centurion in the legion being in a position of great prestige. Some historians have compared the top-level centurions to medieval knights. Roman centurions represented the bridge between enlisted troops and commissioned officers in much the same way as warrant officers do in the modern U.S. military. Soldiers were appointed as centurions by virtue of their bravery, loyalty, character, and prowess in battle. So they were battle-tested. Centurions were held to high standards of conduct and were expected to fight on the front lines with their men. In fact, the centurion's designated place in formation was at the end of the very front row. As a result, Roman centurions were well paid and held in high esteem, and they were experienced high rate and they experienced high rates of injury and death during war. The combination of wealth, power, and prestige made them influential in society. This this was no ordinary Roman soldier. This is a guy who was battle-tested. He moved way up in the ranks. He's powerful. He's got a lot of prestige, and he's got a lot of money. He's got got just about everything that we, especially as we're kids and we're looking looking for these things. We want to be moved up in ranks. We want to be powerful. We want to have the prestige. This guy has it. And he even makes mention of this to Jesus in their conversation when Jesus says he's willing to, to come to, to his house and heal the servant, and, and he says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. And I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, hey, they, they do it. He, he's, he's acknowledging to Jesus. He says, look, I'm a powerful God, much like you. But even though I am a person of power and prestige, what he is telling Jesus, he's saying, hey, you're greater. You're greater than I am. I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. And so what this Roman 
soldier, the centurion is doing, who, who is powerful. He's moved up in the ranks. He's battle-tested. He is a, he's a manly man, if you will. And what he is doing here is submitting to Jesus. And he's saying, hey, I, I, I'm powerful. I, I have a, I, I'm prestigious. I, I'm rich. I'm battle-tested. But I, I know you're powerful too. Matter of fact, I know you're more powerful than I am. And I know that you can do something for my servant who, is, as Luke tells us, he, he's at the point of death. He's, in, he's paralyzed and he's in a lot of pain and he's about to die if you do not move on his behalf. And so he is actually submitting to Jesus and Jesus' authority. And what makes this special is this Roman officer, he isn't coming to Jesus on his own behalf. He's coming on behalf of his servant who is paralyzed and in a ton of pain. So what he's actually doing here is interceding on behalf of another, one who, that is, who is incapable of walking or getting to Jesus. What he is doing here, this Roman soldier is interceding on behalf of this servant who is incapable of going to Jesus for himself. We need in the church today more people like this Roman soldier. We need some intercessors interceding on behalf of people who, uh, who can't do it on their own. We need people who aren't selfish and just in it for themselves. Those people who are willing to step in for those who, who, who are paralyzed by many things, if you will. People who need Jesus, but they can't get to Jesus for whatever reason. And I'm not talking necessarily physically, but more spiritually. You know, maybe they have an addiction, and, and the addiction is just... It just took a grip in these people's lives, and 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 that's all they can see. They got they're just so fixed on this addiction. They got to feed this addiction. They're they're not focused on Jesus. They they don't even realize that Jesus can deliver them from that addiction. Or maybe it's anger. Maybe they're just angry at God, and they're so angry at what's going on in their life that that they don't care about God. They they that's the last person they even want to talk about is God because of their anger or maybe but they don't realize that God can deliver them from that anger and set them on a better path and 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 bring their life uh and bring it more abundantly and set them free from that anger maybe they're these people are are, are uh, uh paralyzed by uh their hearts being cold and and just hard as uh hard as stone and they need they don't realize that they would come to God if they would put Christ on uh, like a garment and 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 th- that their heart would would literally melt because Jesus would give them a new heart and it would it would warm up and be warm toward people because uh, as Paul talks about in, in Romans 12 about renewing of their mind the Holy Spirit would would renew them from the inside out. Only if they would give Jesus a trial, but they're paralyzed from a cold and and, and a, a a hard heart. Maybe maybe they're in in a, a sin so deep that they they just they don't see any way out, and they need an intercessor to cry out to Jesus on their behalf, 
so that the Holy Spirit will work in their lives and in their hearts. Much like this paralyzed servant, they need a soldier to fight, literally fight on their behalf. Because that's this this Roman soldier, he's used to going out into battle. He's used to facing the enemy. He's used to going out there with a sword and, and dressed in his in his armor and he's on the front line with his men in these hard, difficult battles. And he has survived and he's moved up the ranks and he's got power and he's got prestige and he's got wealth. But he knows the only way that he can't do anything for this servant except intercede on his behalf and get to Jesus on his behalf. And if he could get to Jesus, if he could hunt down Jesus and find Jesus and tell Jesus, hey, I've got this servant who is suffering, he's paralyzed, and he's, he's in so much pain and he's near death. And he, if you don't intercede, if you don't do something, he's going to die. And, and so he intercedes on, uh, on behalf of this paralyzed servant. And, and, and I just want to tell you before we move on that spiritual warfare is a real thing. We are in a battle, and, and I just want to encourage you to read Ephesians chapter six. And we're not in—we're uh, not in a war with each other. We're not a war in a war with flesh and blood. Paul says that we're in a war against principalities, against powers in dark places. There's a realm that we can't even see, and where angels are fighting demons. And you can read about that in the book of Daniel. It, it, it's real. It's going on. We can't see it, but it is going on. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. It's a real battle. And this Roman soldier is interceding on behalf of this paralyzed servant who could not get to Jesus on his own. And we need more people like this in the church, like this Roman soldier, who's willing to throw all that stuff to the side, that power, that prestige, that wealth, his ranks. And he says, I got to find this guy, this miracle worker, this healer. And so he can do something on behalf of this servant. And that's exactly what he does. And I just want to say spiritual battle is, or spiritual warfare, it's a real thing. It's a real battle. And we need all the soldiers we can get. Amen. And so the last thing that I want to point out about this passage, this story that Matthew shares with us, is, is how Jesus looks at his disciples and he kind of rips the, the, the Jews uh, um, when, when, when he says, uh, he says something like this, he says, boys, here's this Gentile, this Roman soldier. He, he's not a Jew, one who shouldn't even be interested in the kingdom of God. Yet he's got greater faith than all of the Jews who have been looking for the Messiah for hundreds of years. The Jews have the prophets. The Jews have the prophecies about the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was coming. They've been looking for the Messiah for a long time. And here's the Messiah walking amongst them, and many of the Jews rejected Jesus. And here is this Roman soldier, a Gentile, who just goes to Jesus and says, Hey, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, This Gentile has more faith than any Jew that's ever walked on the face of the earth. Why? Why? Why is this? I mean, it's like he's ripping the Jews. And so this had to blow. Well, let me back up. In fact, uh, Jesus tells them that there's going to be talking about Gentiles. There's going to be Gentiles coming, not just this Roman soldier, but there's going to be Gent. And this this had to blow the 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 the, the disciples' minds because they're Jews, right? 
This had to blow their mind when Jesus says there's going to be Gentiles coming from all over the world, from east and the west, and, and uh, they're they're going to be uh, uh, they're going to be coming into the kingdom of God. And and the the Jews had to be the disciples had to be scratching their heads, saying, "What in the world is he talking about?" Because they're thinking of an earthly kingdom. They're thinking, "Hey, the Jews are God's chosen. The Jews." They, they've accepted the covenant from Genesis 17. They've accepted the covenant God made with Abraham about being circumcised, and the Jews have been circumcised, the Gentiles hadn't. So how in the world, what Jesus, what are you talking about? Gentiles coming from the east and the west and, join, and, and getting to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at a feast? It makes no sense to us. It's because they're thinking of an earthly covenant or earthly kingdom. They're thinking that any moment Jesus is going to rise up into power and overthrow these Romans and the Roman government and this oppression is going to end and they're they're going to be a part of some huge movement and get all kinds of power and prestige. Who's going you know they've got Peter uh see James and John's got their mom going to Jesus saying oh, which one of my sons is going to sit on uh, or can my two sons sit on your right hand and on your left hand? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking, Solomon. You, you don't understand. That's because they never did understand. Even after Jesus died on the cross and was buried in a tomb and was resurrected on the third day, and he hung out with them for 40 days showing himself alive, it was it was not until the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2 did they get it because in Acts chapter 1, before the Holy Spirit fell, they're still asking Jesus, are you going to restore power to the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus says, you, you just don't get it you don't understand and they didn't understand until uh the 50th day when jesus 10 days after jesus ascended and the holy spirit fell and they started speaking in tongues and peter stood up and started preaching about the kingdom of god that's when they got it because the holy spirit helped them get it but not until then but this whole time that jesus was on earth for three to three and a half years doing ministry with these disciples they're thinking of an earthly kingdom but Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It was a heavenly, and it is a heavenly kingdom, which is why Jesus told Pilate, he says, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. And since we, ha- we had the opportunity to, to look back, we, can go, we, we had the book. We had the, how it all ends. Uh, we had that luxury to, to go back and look at these stories. And so we can go back and see how all this went down. We know that the Gentiles were included in the kingdom Way back in Acts chapter 10 when the Holy Spirit, just like he fell on the apostles in Acts chapter 2, he falls when Peter goes to Cornelius' house, Cornelius being a centurion as well, and a Gentile, and uh, he's uh, listening to Peter talk about Jesus and the death, burial, and the resurrection. And as Peter's talking, the Holy Spirit all of a sudden just falls on these Gentiles. It was Cornelius and his family and his friends and, and all those that he invited over to his house, and they start speaking in tongues just like the apostles did in Acts chapter 2, and Peter says, well, what, what's keeping us from baptizing these Gentiles who obviously God has now welcomed into the kingdom? And so they baptize them in water, and from that point on, the Gentiles are welcomed into the kingdom. Just like Jesus told them right here that there's going to be Gentiles coming from the east and from the west, from all over, and they're going to be a part of my kingdom. The kingdom that's not of this world. It's not of the, it's a heavenly kingdom. 
And in Paul, uh, or when he was Saul, Jesus even told him when he was persecuting Christians, when he uh, was introduced to Jesus, when he got knocked off that horse and had that conversation with Jesus, he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Jesus says, hey, you're going to be an ambassador for me, and you're going to go to the Gentiles. And we see that all through the book of Acts on these missionary journeys. We've already studied the book of Acts. You can go back and listen to those podcasts. But we've already uh, studied the book of Acts, and we've seen those missionary journeys that Paul went on and Barnabas went on, and, they, and they're preaching to Gentiles mostly. Yes, they preach to the Jews. Yes, they would find synagogues and teach the Jews and tell them about Jesus. But Paul's main focus was on Gentiles. And he preached to the Gentiles, sharing the gospel with them, giving them the opportunity to be a part of the kingdom, just as Jesus said they would right here to his disciples when he was having this conversation with this centurion, this Roman soldier. And he told his disciples, he says, I've never seen any kind of faith like this out of my people, the Jews, and all of Israel, like this Gentile, this Roman soldier, has. And then he tells the, the Roman officer, he says, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. It's like immediately when Jesus spoke those words, he is healed. That's when the, the um, servant was healed. And so the Roman soldier, he goes on a journey on behalf of this paralyzed servant. He finds Jesus. He tells Jesus what's going on. And Jesus wants to come to the soldier's house to heal the servant. The soldier shows humility. And because he, he did all of this, the servant was healed. And not only was the servant healed, he was healed instantly. He was healed as soon as Jesus proclaimed the healing. And in Luke's version of the story, I've already mentioned this, but we find out that this servant, he was at the point of death, which evidently this Roman soldier really cared about this servant. And for him to go to all of this trouble and, and to seek for Jesus and to find him, asking him to heal his servant, it also, this story shows us the heart of Jesus, but this story also shows us the heart of this soldier. Even though, the, he, even though he was high in ranks, battle-tested, a manly man, strong and brave, he had a heart of compassion for his people that were under him. He cared for them. And Jesus saw this, this heart of compassion in this Roman soldier, which is why, in my opinion, he heals the servant. When he told all the disciples, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel coming from a Roman soldier, a Gentile, who shouldn't even be interested in any of this, but yet look at his heart. It all comes down to our hearts. What about your heart? What does your heart show people about you? Because people see your actions. People see your fruit. And that tells the story of your heart. Do people see Jesus? Or do they just see a cold, dark, nasty, selfish, self-centered heart? I hope and pray they see Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. If I can help you in any kind of way, contact me at thegrounditpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any commentary, anything you want to add to this, 
Any, any questions that you would like for me to answer, email me, thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com, and I will get back with you promptly. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to The Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.